And uh, as they're coming, we're, uh, we're just going to get rolling. Um, let me ask you this as we get started. How, how many of you ever used to make up games as a kid? Uh, anybody have an imagination like that? I, I enjoy watching out the window and just even this weekend, we've got some friends over and seeing how our kids just make up these games. Well, you know, growing up and well, truthfully, I've always been a big sports fan. And so when I was a kid, we used to make up games and the games that I made up usually involve some form of competition, all right? Otherwise, they weren't worth playing, uh, in my opinion. Well, this one time, we invented a game in my yard uh, that was sort of a version of polo, sort of a version of field hockey, and it involved some croquet mallets and a rubber ball that we kind of competed for with a goal, you know, on each end. And Now, in most organized games that involve sticks of some kind, there's a really important rule that's been developed called high sticking, all right, and for good reason. And so, you know, we're playing, and as you can imagine, I came up behind one of my opponents, and, well, I got there right in the middle of a shot. And wouldn't you know it, that mallet barely missed my eye and drove right into my eyebrow. And before you know it, I'm on the ground, and I've got all this blood, and I'm on the way to the doctor's office. Now, as you can imagine, I was eight or nine years old at the time, and blood to that proportion is always a little frightening to a young kid, like especially when it's coming from your own head. And, uh, and I, I was pretty afraid, but honestly, I wasn't nearly as afraid as I could have been uh, because I had my dad with me. Now, if you were fortunate to have a good dad, and, and, and I've always had a, a really good dad in my life, uh, you know that when you've got your dad with you, everything changes. Everything you know, is going to be okay. And, and my dad was there with me to make sure that I knew that it was okay to be afraid, but I didn't have to be afraid, and he taught me you know, how to be brave. Um, even today, I know that I, I can call my dad, and it wasn't only for me as a kid. I mean, my dad was there for me when I was in high school, and you know, maybe when I had finals coming up or something. Uh, you know, maybe when I was hurting, I, I still remember when I went to visit Anderson University and having my dad with me on that trip. And, well, he helped me to make one of the biggest decisions in my life, you know, at that particular time. You know, even today, again, I can call my dad and he prays for me and he'll listen to me and, and we can relate, you know, at some great levels. I mean, I, I know that my dad is for me and that means a lot. But I will tell you that, you know, the support that I receive from my dad is nothing compared to the, 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 the support that I received from my Father in heaven. And because I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I can have the confidence that God is with me, uh, that He is never far from me, that He is never absent, and, and I can have this confidence that I don't have to walk alone in life, you know, in any situation that I might face. And, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the good news is this, you can have that confidence too, that you're never alone. I mean, you don't have to walk alone, that God is never absent from you, that he never leaves. And no matter what you may face, no matter what you might be looking at, even today, God is always there with you. And it's just so easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? I mean, isn't it so easy to forget that? I mean, no matter how long you've been around church to forget that God is with you. I mean, it only, you know, takes a busy week. It only takes a really bad day. I mean, in the motions of life and everything is just speeding by you. And it's so easy to forget that God is with us. And, you know, maybe that's just exactly what you need to hear today. You know, because you're here this afternoon and, I mean, you're in a real mess right now and you have no idea how you got there. You know, what I want you to know today is that the God who watched you walk into that mess, he can help you find your way out. He can help see you through it. You know, or maybe you're in a difficult place today. I mean, maybe you're in a really tight spot and, and it is a mess. And guess what? I mean, you're the one to blame. I mean, you really messed up and messed up royally and maybe made some bad decisions. And, 
I mean, there's no one to point fingers at today but you. I mean, the truth is that the same God who saw you arrive to this place, I mean, he can still see you through. And maybe you find yourself in a frustrating bind here today. And and what makes it complicated is this. You're following God. Like you're doing everything in your life. I mean, you know you're not perfect, but but you're surrendering. And each step that you're taking, I mean, you're doing everything that you can to, to take these steps for God in your life. And But now you're in this confusing place. You're in this frightening place. And, and you've got every reason to believe that God led you here to this moment. I mean, he said go, and you went, and so you made a, a bold career move. You know, you made a bold change. Or, or he told you to be a little more intentional in the way that you were parenting your children, and you did that. Or he, he told, you to, told you to trust him for that someone to marry in your life, and so you're trying to do that. Or he told you to start giving generously to your church, and, and you did these things. I mean, God spoke to you in some, you know, very real, authentic way, and, and you listened, and you stepped out in faith. But guess what? Nothing has gone as planned since. I mean, everything you believe that God was leading you to do, well, now you just feel like you're in a big mess. And you really have no idea where to go from here. Well, what I want you to see in this message today is this, that the God who brought you into this situation, the God who saw you into this, the God that witnessed every step of it along the way, he's the God that can see you through. I mean, he can help you through no matter where you are right now, that he is faithful and good, and if you let him, he can. He, he can get you through whatever stands in your way today. If you've got your Bibles, I'd invite you to take them and turn to the book of Exodus. Uh, to Exodus chapter 13, we'll have the words on the screen for you. We're continuing uh, in this series that we're calling Amazing Stories. And, and I want to take a look at a couple of events in the life of Moses with you. You know, when we think about Moses, we usually think mighty man of God, right? I mean, you think superhero. If there was ever an opportunity to give a biblical character the title of superhero, Moses is one of those guys. I mean, he's one of those superheroes. Now, depending on your age, when you think of someone like Moses, you might think, you know, Charlton Heston, right? Or, uh, you know, if, if you're a bit younger than that, when you hear Moses, you might think, you know, Prince of Egypt, all right? But we look at him as this bold man. I mean, whatever the case, I mean, you look at Moses and you think brave. He knew how to lead. He's untouchable. He's got it all together. Well, now, the truth is that Moses had all of these great moments of brilliance in his life, but more often than not, he needed someone else to come alongside of him. I mean, in fact, the, the more that you look at the life and the story of Moses, the more that you'll find and discover that he had a lot more questions than he had answers. I mean, his greatest moments as a leader, really, they, they didn't come out of his moments of self-confidence, but rather in those times when he was most desperate and totally dependent on God. And I think it's in those moments, in those moments of desperation, that we learn the most about Moses. But more importantly, it's in his moments of absolute dependence that we can learn a lot about ourselves, too. And I want to look at one of those situations with you today in Exodus chapter 13 now just briefly a little background on moses here um god called moses to lead the nation of israel his chosen people out of egypt where they were being held as slaves the pharaoh was king the leader you know over the nation of egypt at this time which meant that he had authority not only over the egyptians but over the workforce too over the slaves the israelites and this pharaoh was brutal all right, he, he was oppressing the Israelite people, and God had enough. I mean, he had witnessed every bit of this pain, and so he sent Moses to the Pharaoh with those famous words, let my people go. Well, that didn't go as smoothly as Moses would like. In fact, it took ten plagues 
you know, before Pharaoh finally set the people of Israel free. And Moses and the people walked right out of Egypt. And this is where we pick the story up in Exodus 13, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter. Now hold there for just a second, if you would. How many of you in your life ever feel like God likes to take the long way with you? Yeah, isn't it true? I mean, we prefer the shorter route. I mean, the shorter route is the straight line. It's the the shortest distance between point A and point B. It's that straight line, but it just seems like at times, doesn't it, that God likes to take the longer road? He likes to take the longer path with us? I mean, you, you may know and believe, and well, it's true. I mean, God has a career in mind for you. He wants you to be able to provide your family, but you don't have a job. You know, or at least you don't have the right one or you really want to be married and 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 you're single and you're doing everything you can to live faithfully, you know, and to make God honoring sort of choices. And it seems like everyone else is having all the fun. And as you're trying to be faithful, I mean, you know that you're still single waiting on God or or maybe you sense God telling you to sell your house and move because he wanted to do something new with you and your life or your family or something. And now 37 something showings later. I mean, you still don't have an offer. I mean, do you ever feel like the God likes to take the longer path? He does. And if you've ever felt that way, now you know what it feels like to be an Israelite. Now, why the longer route? Well, let's pick it up here again in verse 17. It says, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Verse 18. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And so God takes them along the way and they end up at this KOA campground right at the edge of the Red Sea. And if you skip over to chapter 14, the story continues in verse 5. It says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? Um, We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all of the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And so the plot thickens. All right. The Israelites are on their way out of Egypt when the Pharaoh realizes, wait a second, we're letting our whole workforce go here. You know, and we've got a little bit of a problem. And so he changes his mind. Now, history indicates that there were as many as two to three million Israelites. And so this isn't just a small group of people marching out of Egypt. I mean, two to three million people. This is a lot to account for. And they're camped at the edge of the Red Sea near what the Bible calls this place called Migdal. Now, the name Migdal means tower or hill. And so if you can picture this in your mind, they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got the desert behind them from where they've just come. And now they've got the mountains, maybe on both sides, if not at least one side for sure. And now here come the Egyptians. I mean, here comes this raging you know, ferocious, brutal army, you know, pursuing them from behind. I mean, there's only one way out, and that's to turn around and go back into the desert. But if you do that, you're going to march straight into the path of the Egyptians. And so there's nowhere to go. I mean, you just try and put yourself in that, those, their shoes of the panic, and, and not only the panic of the Israelites, but their leader, Moses. I mean, we all kind of find our way into those types of situations, don't we? where everything just appears to be pressing in on you, all of the circumstance, something changes, and where do you go from here? I mean, maybe you feel like you're being pursued from behind, whether it be by your past or your reputation. Maybe some poor financial decisions that you made or an unhealthy relationship that just doesn't go away. I mean, everything is closing in around you, and you've got no idea where to go from here. 
And maybe it doesn't have anything to do with your past. Maybe it has everything to do with your present. Because the news is the doctor said, you know, something didn't come out right on the test. I mean, we need to do some follow-up. Or, I mean, your company is a mess. And you know just every week that you survive and make it, you know, one more week. Well, that's a gift. Because who knows what tomorrow holds. Or maybe you just graduated from college. And, I mean, you're still looking for a job. And guess what? You know, this fall, those student loans kick in. And so you just kind of feel this pressure and this tension as all of the circumstances are coming in around you. I mean, you kind of know what Moses felt. I mean, the enemy is pressing in. You've got nowhere to go. Please understand that this is a pretty desperate situation. Pick it up in verse 10. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I mean, I would say that Moses has to feel pretty lonely in his leadership right now. I mean, have you ever felt lonely in leadership? I mean, I'm I'm sure most, if not everyone has. I mean, I've felt lonely in, in leadership before. I mean, where everyone is looking to you for an answer. They want you to come up with the solution, the next steps. I mean, and you've got your doubts. I mean, kind of like Moses. I mean, he's got no idea where to go from here. I mean, every leader has moments like this when people are looking and asking and you've got to make a call and you don't know what to do next. And whether you lead or not, I mean, we can all relate whether you call it leadership or not. I mean, you know, you might lead a department at work or a team or a group of people or something. Or you're leading right now in, in your family. Or maybe you're trying to lead in your marriage. Or you know, trying to lead your kids in a new direction. Maybe you lead a group of students at school. You know, or, or, or a ministry here at Genesis Church. I mean, everyone leads in some capacity. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you're going to experience it. You're going to arrive at moments where you have to make a decision. And everyone is going to look to you. And, and when you make that call, they're going to question your motive. You know, they're going to question the decisions that you make. And when they don't agree, they might call you out or try and, you know, question your character or discredit you. And when all of the pressure, you know, is on the rise in your life and you've got people pressing in around you, calling out your choices, asking you to act or to do something, you know what happens? You're going to ask questions of yourself, things like, did I do the right thing? Did I really hear from God or was I just, was that just my mind or... Or am I even qualified to be here in the first place? I mean, what do you do when you don't know what to do? I mean, that's where Moses is. And what does Moses do? He turns to God. And in this desperate moment, he looks to God for help. And watch how God responds. Verse 16. God says, raise your staff. He says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. I mean, when you find yourself in a situation like Moses, you know, a a moment, a situation where you don't know what to do, you've got to make a call and you're not sure where to go from here. Well, if you're like me, my natural reaction is to look to others for help, right? I mean, you do that. I mean, you turn to family members or... You turn to some friends, you turn to some people that maybe have a little more experience in life, or maybe they've been through a similar situation before. I mean, there's wisdom in that. 
and, and turning to others for assistance. But what does Moses do? Where does he turn? He doesn't look around. He looks up. He turns to God for help. And, and that's such a, a simple but yet so important reminder for every single one of us. That you and I, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can turn to God for help. And if you don't, you can, and He's there, and He's waiting, and, and the Bible says that He will respond to you if you call on Him. And, it, and if, you're writing note, if you're taking notes, write this down. I mean, like with Moses, you know, the truth is that the God who brought you into your situation is the same God who can see you through it. I mean, like with Moses, I mean, the God who, who saw you in, that watched you take those steps, I mean, He is the same God that can see you through it all. I mean, He's the one that, that can see your current circumstances, and, and He can see you through those. And even if you've messed up, He is full of grace, and He is full of mercy. And when there's no one to blame but you, our God is faithful and true, and He can see you through. And He can walk you through all of that, starting today. If you'll let him. David said it this way in Psalm 23. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He says, my God, you are always with me no matter what I face. And Moses and his people, they're in a bind. The people are turning to Moses looking for help. And Moses cries out to God. And God tells him to do something that really, when you think about it, is a little peculiar. I mean, God says, Moses, take your staff and stretch it out over the water, I'll part the water, and you and the people can walk right through. Now, I think this part of the story is a great story, all right? It's an amazing story for Moses, but not just for Moses, but for you and me too. I mean, it's a great reminder that, you know, Moses, he cried out to God. He says, God, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? You brought me here. You know, I'm following you. You know, I'm stuck here now with no way out. And what does God say? God says, do you remember Moses? you remember the staff that I gave you, the staff that you're holding in your hand today? Now, we could talk about the parting of the Red Sea, and it's a great story, and I think there's a whole bunch of relevant application that could come out of such a story today, but I don't want to do that. We'll save that for another time. We've heard that before. But instead, what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes with you looking at the significance of Moses' staff that he held in his hand. And to understand the significance of his staff, we need to rewind a little bit, and we need to go back about 10 chapters. We need to go back in time to that point where God first called Moses into leadership for the Israelite people. And, and I think you've got an idea of this part of the story. I mean, Moses was a shepherd. All right, he took care of sheep. And he was living out in the wilderness. And one day, as the story goes, he came upon the burning bush, right? And there was something very odd about this burning bush, that it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. It wasn't burning up. And so he went closer, and as Moses got a little closer, he quickly be- discovered that God was behind all of this. All right, he, God had using this, he, or was using this, he had chosen this day to speak into the life of Moses, and here's what he says to him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Never really quite got that as a kid. It was always a little strange to me, uh, trying to picture that in my mind. But the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, God says, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, he says to Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh 
to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here's something that I've learned uh, when it comes to leadership. And, And maybe you've heard this before too, that when it comes to leadership, there are exclamation point leaders and there are question mark leaders. All right, have you ever heard that before? That there are exclamation point sort of people. You know them. We may have some here today. And there are question mark sort of people. I mean, an exclamation point kind of leader is like this. I mean, God says, hey, here's what I want you to do. And you're like, let's roll. I mean, that's cool, right? I mean, you know some people like that that have faith like that. I mean, God says, hey, do this. And they go do it, all right? I mean, they're, they're exclamation point kind of people. But then there are question mark kind of people. I'm a question mark kind of a person, all right? A question mark kind of a leader. Moses was a question mark kind of a leader. I mean, we see this in the way that he responds to God's call. I mean, if you just read this chapter, chapter 3 for yourself, you just see it over and over again as God says go, and Moses is just full of questions. I mean, questions like, who am I? Or, Or why would you send me? You know, what do you think I can do about this? Or, I mean, what do I have to offer? I mean, why don't you just find someone else? And, and he wasn't just asking these questions because he was looking for answers. I mean, his questions were seeping, you know, with doubt. I mean, chapter 3 makes it pretty clear that Moses didn't want to leave. He doesn't want this call. He doesn't want this position. He doesn't, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to move forward with God. I mean, he's pretty happy, supposedly, doing what he's doing. I mean, are any of you like that at all? I mean. You know, God says do something or you know, maybe a friend comes along and invites you into a significant opportunity, whether it be at work or you know, at school, maybe in your neighborhood or even at church. And, and so your typical response is, I mean, you hear of an opportunity, you're invited to do something, but you're like, you know what, it would be really cool if somebody did that, but it's not going to be me. And maybe it's a time issue, maybe it's because you just disqualify yourself over and over again from what God may want to do through you. But Moses was a question mark kind of a person. And his quick response to God was no. And so God had to begin this process of drawing the leadership out of Moses, this gift out of Moses. Now, here's what's really interesting about that. The name Moses means to draw out. And if you remember the story of Moses as a baby, you know, his mom, his birth mom, put him in a basket and placed him in the river as a way of Sparing him, it's kind of a long story, but the Pharaoh's daughter discovered Moses. That was the plan, that was the hope, and and so she took Moses out of the water. She named him Moses because it means to draw out. But I think what she had in mind and really what God had in mind for his name were two very different things because you know, God realized that this leadership, this potential, this purpose, this faith, it was going to have to be drawn out of Moses, it, it was deep inside. I mean, he was a question mark kind of a guy. But the really cool thing about God is this: that even though Moses asked these questions, and even though he demonstrated weaknesses from the beginning to the end of his life, God raised him up and formed him into the one of the greatest leaders that our world has ever seen and known. And it's common for people like you and me to question God. I mean, God calls you, or God tells you to do something. I mean, what's our natural reaction on so many occasions? I must be hearing things. I mean, he really couldn't mean me. I mean, it's natural to to respond to a calling by God and with, with doubt, because really when you think about it, so often over and over again, God's calling for us is usually far greater than anything we could ever imagine being a part of. And so we say, no way. When I do that, and I'm like that every single day. Really, God, I mean, questioning God. Did you make a mistake with me, God? 
I mean, could you really use me? I mean, that's where Moses is. How does God finally convince him to go? He makes a promise to Moses. And the whole story of Moses and his journey and his leadership with God rises and falls on this truth. God says, here's the deal, Moses. I will be with you. That's it. I mean, this profound promise that every day from this point forward, Moses, I will be with you. And Moses, he just keeps questioning, well, who am I, God? I mean, what can I do? How can I find my way through all this? And God responds, I will be with you. I will help you speak. I'll give you what you need. And when you find yourself in situations where you don't know where to go next, God just simply says, here's the deal. Here's the promise. I will be with you. And because God knew that this wouldn't be the last time that they had this conversation and that this would come up over and over again because Moses was imperfect just like you and I are. God does something for Moses in in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And so Moses has a staff in his hands. I mean, he's a shepherd, right? I mean, any good shepherd's going to carry a staff with him. And what does God tell him to do? God says, hey, I want you to throw that staff on the ground. And so Moses took something that was dead, this piece of wood, and he threw it on the ground, and it, well, it became alive, and it became a snake. And then Moses reached down and he picked up the snake by the tail, which I don't think you're supposed to do that, but he does it anyways. Well, the Bible says that the snake dies and it it becomes wood again. I mean, Moses picks it up and it just turns back into a staff. You know, God's not performing a miracle here just to show off. God doesn't perform miracles to show off. I mean, whenever God does a miracle, there's always a point. There's always a principle and a purpose. What's God up to here? I mean, what's he up to and doing with Moses? I mean, God performs a miracle with Moses so that he'll believe He just needs him to believe. He wants him to have faith, you know. And for Moses, this staff meant so many things. It it meant so many things for him. I mean, when you think about it, and this is what I like, and as I heard someone say, when you you think about Moses' staff, it it means a couple of things. And these aren't in your notes, but you can write them down if you want. First thing is this. The staff represented his identity. It symbolized his identity. I mean, what did he do for a living? He was a shepherd, right? I mean, so it represented his identity. It, It also represented his income. It symbolized you know, the money that he was making. He was a shepherd. And so, I mean, he made his living from taking care of the sheep. But the staff also represented and symbolized his influence. I mean, what's the responsibility of the shepherd? To take care of the sheep, to get them from point A to point B. And they carry a staff. I mean, it's kind of the influencing device. You know, you poke the sheep to get them to go one place or you use the crook of the sheep, you know, if you need to pull them somewhere. I mean, and so Moses' staff represented his you know, his identity, it represented his income, it represented his influence, it represented his past, it represented his present and, and his future. I mean, it represented the, every gift that God had ever given to Moses. And God was just simply saying this, Moses, here's what I need you to do. I need you to throw it down. I want you to surrender everything that you are to me on this day. And if you'll do that, then I'll do things in your life far greater than anything you could ever imagine. Did it work? You bet it did. I mean, what was in Moses' hand when he pronounced each of the plagues on Egypt? That staff. 
I mean, later on in the story, when they were needing water and they had to call water from a rock, I mean, what, what, what did Moses have in his stand? He had, his hand, that he had that staff. And what did he hold out over in the Red Sea when God called him on this particular day? It was the staff. And, and the Bible says that the seas parted and the people marched right through. Was it a magical staff? No. But it was Moses' way of remembering God's call and his never-ending presence in his life. I mean, with this staff, God was just saying, Moses, whatever you face, wherever you go, no matter what obstacles stand before you, I'll always be there. I will always be there to see you through. You just trust me, and you remember me for all things. I don't know what kind of situation, circumstances, even danger that you might find yourself in today. But what God did for Moses, I want you to know that he can also do for you and me. I mean, I believe what what God wants to say to you and me today, and I I just think this is so important that no matter what you think, to remember. It's the importance of remembering God's work in you, to remember the time that He answered your prayer, to remember that time that He saw you through a really difficult situation, to remember that time that He provided for your family, to remember the day when you invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and how that changed everything for all of eternity. I mean, you ever feel like life threatens to take you down? I mean, kind of like here for the Israelites and you don't know what to do? I mean, you don't know if you could take another day of your job or if you've got another year of school in you or you're concerned that your kids might be slipping away or that, you know, the threat with your health is really threatening to overwhelm you. I mean, it's like being caught between a a, a sea and a massive army, really, when you think about it. It's just kind of pressing in and trapping you and you don't know where to go from here. It's in those kind of times and in those kind of moments where we need God the most. We are most desperate for Him. And maybe that's where you are today. Kind of that place of desperation. And again, you're afraid of what tomorrow holds. And you're not sure where to go. I mean, what do we do in moments like these? I think we need to look at the example and we need to look at and follow the lead of Moses and look to God and remember as God says, see the staff in your hand. Remember me. Remember that I am with you and I am never far. Remember that I made you, that I created you, that I knit you together in your mother's womb, that I ordained every single day of your life. And if I can do all of that for you and through you, I can get you where you are right now. I can get you through that. And I can get you to another place. But you and I, we have this promise and that confidence that we will never be alone. There are two really quick lessons that I want to give you, just things that you can take and apply to your life today as we go. The first one is this. It's just that reminder to live a life worthy of the call. To live a life worthy of the calling in your life. I mean, God called Moses the question mark man. I mean, Moses had murdered a man in his past. I mean, if God can put all of that aside and forgive Moses for that, I mean, what can he do for you and me today? I mean, when God, when Moses questioned God, God spoke into Moses' life with the more, four most powerful letters that he could use. They were just the letters I see in you. That it doesn't matter what you see in yourself, Moses, but here's what I see in you today. And, and God has called you to something, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he wants to look into our hearts, and he wants to speak with these very same four letters to you and me today. Because he says, I see in you a, 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 a worker, a, an employee who has the ability to even change your own workplace. You know, I see in you a volunteer who has incredible passion. I see in you a stay-at-home mom that can use her influence to change a neighborhood or, or to change people's lives. I see in you a student who can stand in the gap and be light and be an example for others. And I see in you someone who can even take a negative life experience 
And you know what? Through God can be healed. And on the other side of it all, that God can use even that brokenness and that pain from your past and use it as a great example for someone else and where God gets all of the glory and lives get changed. Katie Davis was a high school senior who had everything going for her in her life. Uh, she was senior class president, uh, homecoming queen. She had this incredibly bright future ahead of her. But during Christmas break of her senior year, uh, she took a short-term mission trip to Uganda where God just tore her heart apart as he showed her the orphans and the invisible kids of this impoverished country. I mean, she saw firsthand as parents would come to these orphanages and they would leave their children, not because they didn't want them or didn't want to take care of them anymore. They just simply couldn't provide for them. And so she came home and she couldn't take it. And she disappointed her parents by not attending college, broke up with her boyfriend and lost most, if not all of her friends and moved to Uganda. I mean, a single girl who didn't speak the language, who didn't know what God wanted to do next. She just felt the call of God to go. And well, today Katie lives in Uganda, an adoptive mom now of 14 little girls, some with special needs. She's gone on to help start a ministry now that has helped to sponsor over 600 kids all because of Katie's obedience. She wrote a book, my wife just finished it recently, called Kisses from Katie. And in the book she writes this, People from my first home say I'm brave. They tell me I'm strong. They pat me on the back and say, way to go, good job. But the truth is, I am not really very brave. I am not really very strong. And I am not doing anything spectacular. I am simply doing what God has called me to do as a person who follows me. And that's what God wants for us. To just simply say yes and be obedient and follow faithfully to whatever he calls us to do. You know, like I said earlier, I think God's call in our lives is typically far beyond anything we could ever imagine him doing for us to the point that it causes us to doubt, to say, no way, I must be missing something here. But like with Moses over and over again, I believe that our God is just saying, I need you to trust me. I want you to depend on the absolute trust absolute dependence god sees so much more in you and me than we would ever see in ourselves we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week as we look at the life of esther but again live a life worthy of your call the second the last thing is this to live a life connected to god i mean you and i are nothing without god moses had his staff to remind him of his relationship with god and you and i need something too we need these reminders in our life so that we can remember God's strength in us. Words like John chapter 15, verses 5 through 7, when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus just says, remain. Jesus says that you need to stay connected to the vine and the source. We need to stay connected to God. You know, once Moses had the presence of God in his life, God never took it away. And you and I can have the confident reminder that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has given you the gift of his spirit, and that spirit is inside of you and never leaves and empowers us to do great things. Romans 8, chapter 38 and 39, Paul said it this way. He says, for I am convinced. Are you convinced of that truth today? that God is in you, that he is always with you, and that he can see you through. Paul says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you live in that truth in your life today? Do you believe that? Do you have that confidence as you go from here today? It's like a staff in your hands that no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, He is there for you, He is with you, and He will never leave. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have that relationship with Him, you can. And the great message is that it is available to you and He is waiting for you to take it. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life beyond anything you could ever dream of, beyond anything you could ever do on your own. And so I want to ask you, would you be willing even to pray that prayer today? God, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need His forgiveness and His purpose for my life today. You can pray that prayer today. You can do that. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for the reminder um, in this story today. We thank you for what you've done in Moses and for the promise that because you did it in him, you can do it in us too. That you can see us through wherever we are right now. Whatever fear, whatever danger, whatever hopelessness we might be looking at challenges from our past or just even the fear and the anxiety of what's ahead that you are a god that is faithful that you are always with us and you can see us through god you know every story and every situation and every circumstance here today and for each would you give us the faith to trust and to believe in you for all things we pray this in jesus name amen